0: Don't look back to the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Tyler here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. We hope you all had a great weekend out there. It was a bit of a rough start uh, to this week for our markets for a number of reasons, um, but some of it, at least you know, tough to tell, the intraday, day-to-day moves. Uh, but it seems to be a little hesitancy about what we got out of the G7 this weekend, talking about new sanctions on Russia, uh, whether it be on gold, whether it be on oil cap, uh, oil price caps. Uh, and then today we got the Russian debt default, which I'll talk about here more in a minute as well. But even despite today's action, we've continued to look for this week to be a strong week for our markets. Um, And we continue to see this as a strong setup for this week. Today, we saw continued improvement, building on last week's performance from the internals. Uh, And then lastly, how we're entering one of the most seasonally bullish timeframes of the year, hyper bullish during the short term, and really everybody's ready to get through June and onto the second half of 2022, hoping that it's gonna be much better than the first half of 2022. But first, let's touch on this Russian default on their debt because we had, you know, seeing a lot of analysts out there talking heads, talking about this being a black swan style of event, which just certainly doesn't even fit the definition. They've had 30 days. It's now has reached the end of the 30 day period that they had uh, to make a payment. They decided not to. uh, So we knew it was coming. So not a black swan, but it was about a hundred million dollars that was due Again, at the end of the grace period, which ended today, and Russia is now siding, saying they have the funds to pay it, but sanctions are preventing them from doing so. And what what is so interesting about a situation like this is it shows us how much of this is really a game being played amongst the, the elite, the central banks of the world, right? And just like we've seen with Russian sanctions from the beginning, the goal of that was to hurt Russia economically so that they can no longer continue the war. We've seen a lot of those sanctions start to backfire as Russia has worked closer because of this with their allies um, and really strengthening those relationships. A great example of this right now is in the oil markets where, yes, Europe has tried to cut off some of the supply of Russian oil, but in reality, it's just changed the chess pieces here. For example, there's a great podcast from two weeks ago on macro voices. Honest um, Alhaji was on talking about the oil markets, he's an expert on OPEC. Um, and I'm going to butcher some of the finer details here, but you get the gist of it, that essentially, what happened instead of oil, Russia not being able to produce more oil? Like I said, the players just changed. So Europe is cutting off some of their oil and gas supply. They have to go to Saudi Arabia or other countries to get more. Now, what happens to, or what happened to, those reserves that the Saudis had that they're now sending to Europe? They may have pre- previously sent them to China. Well, now Russia is filling that gap. Uh, so, really, again, just The pieces are changing. The movement of oil is changing. It's not changing the actual dynamic of what we're seeing. And you know, it's like I said, it's situations like this that make you realize you're you're playing a game. Like how the sanctions on Russia hurt the ruble at first, you know, a lot of big talk about that. And now the ruble is back on to, you know, multi-year highs against the dollar. So overall, we see this is more of a game, not a major structural issue, at least yet, you know, we'll alert you to see if we start to see some serious problems out there. Again, though, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the past. We think those problems would likely begin in Japan, which we're seeing some interesting things happen there. But at the end of the day, central banks, as much as I hate to say it, have this under control, whether it's the Federal Reserve the European Central Bank, or their, any other gang of Pledge protection team specialists over there, their, their goal is to manipulate the markets as much as possible. So a $100 million payment from Russia, not that big of a deal. And make no mistake about it, they're using this just as much as our government is, how they've used this crisis as an opportunity to take more money from the US taxpayer. We see the Federal Reserve likes to use crisis as well to get back to quantitative easing to end any type of austerity programs, to end interest rate hike cycles early to get right back to the mindset of financial engineering and make no mistake about it. This is not a free market in action. This is the central banks being the buyers of first and last resort here and having a system that's now fully dependent on central banks continuing to rob our wealth from the future to fund our debt economy that we have now. So, while the Fed likes to talk tough, and we've seen them continue to talk tough on inflation and interest rates and doing everything they can to help the American people, we see no doubt that they're going to use this crisis as the same to get back to the financial engineering that they love so much. Kip talked about this a lot on his midday update today. Um, Go check it out. Subscribe to our Rumble page. You can get it all there as well. But our financial system is so highly manipulated by these people. They will not they willingly give up this power. And it's exactly why we say that they, you know, have the power to inflate the stock market as much as they want. Uh, again, our Dow, Dow Jones target of 100,000 by 2030 remains fully intact. Uh, we expect to see negative interest rates here in the U.S. long before them as well. But the key take home for this, is that a lot of this we're watching play out is a big part of a game game. Uh, but for now, in the US here, we've got to get out of a bear market. And we start to see the signs that maybe we've seen peak inflation. Maybe we've seen peak interest rates or at least getting close there, right? The US economy certainly is slowing. We're looking like Obama 2.0 here with Biden's presidency. As Kip talks about a lot, Obama was the only president to serve two terms and not have back-to-back quarters of 2% GDP growth. Now we're seeing the exact playbook come out again. So we're not seeing a recession in the cars, much like how we, we saw a slow recovery under Obama, but we got out of a recession. We think it'll be the same thing here. No recession, but slower growth will be the new norm, but growth nonetheless. So looking at our markets on the day to day, again, we see this as what should be a strong week for our markets this week. Remember, we're coming up not only on the end of the month, but the beginning of a new quarter. And so that should mean a lot of fun flows coming into the market from pension funds, retirement plans, all those kinds of things. And if you tuned in last week, to our podcast, you also know that about two weeks ago, we began alerting you to the fact that our markets were all at uh, extreme oversold on steroids levels, and that we were due at least for a bounce, you know, a big bear market rally. Well, now, even after last week's rally, we've not we're not even close to overbought readings just yet. So we see that as a major bullish factor of a sign that we have more room to run here. And we're also seeing more stats that continue to back this up. Check this out. Uh, so going back historically over the last 20 years for the S&P 500, the two weeks following the close of June 29th are the, the most bullish stretch of any other two-week period in the year. Uh, so seasonal patterns help us. You know, you'd like to know what's happening typically at that time of year, what the tendencies are. Uh, and we're just two days away from that stretch beginning now. So we want to see that theme continue to play out as well. But today, uh, you know, our market wasn't quite ready to get that rally underway. We started out looking like it was going to be a strong session, fell after the open, tried to rally about mid-morning, but then it was lower from there. We were able to finish off of the lows of the day, but we did finish um Lower for three out of our four major indexes, small caps were able to hold on to their gains today. Small caps finished up 0.34% to 1,771. We were followed there by the Dow Jones, down two tenths of 1% to 31,438. Next up, the S&P 500 down three tenths of 1% to 3,900. And lastly, the NASDAQ down 0.72% to 11,524. But again, overall, we remain bullish in the short term here for at least a big bear market rally. Um, And again, we're just nowhere near overbought levels right now. One other stat that Kip talked about on his midday update today that I think bears repeating is that today we found out that the National Association of Active Investment Managers came in today showing that they hold record low levels of stocks. And Kip made the perfect example earlier today. This is the kind of information you get near a bottom, not near a top. Because once everybody's sold, who's left to sell? This is when people begin buying. And not to jump too far ahead here, we've seen impressive action from the defensive sectors, which we haven't seen in previous bear markets, whether it's 2018 or 2020, where it was an everything bear market, right? At least now we're starting to get some safe haven action and we got that again today i'll touch on that here in our sectors uh, but we're starting to see liquidity return to this market uh but looking at our internals on the day these this is the kind of internal action you like to see if you're bullish right on a day that we're down and we basically had flat to positive internals on the day advancing volume beating out or excuse me advancing stocks and beating out declining stocks on the nyc just barely coming in negative right before the close for the NASDAQ. New 52-week highs and lows. You know, still got a lot of work to do here, about 200 stocks hitting 52-week lows today, but that's still coming down from what we've seen. I think it was just two, three weeks ago, we had over 2,000 stocks hitting 52-week lows. And lastly, volume came in positive for the NYSE, almost about flat, just slightly negative for the NASDAQ. So again, good internal action on a day like today looking at our sectors on the day as i mentioned defensive sectors leading the way we had energy leading the way higher followed by utilities and healthcare. so again good to see the safety trades the safe haven trades at least playing their part here um you know getting a little liquidity back into this market finally for today our vra commodity watch gold I didn't get to our laggards on, on, on uh on sectors. So our laggards for today for sectors were consumer discretionary, communication services, materials, and tech. We had the semis positive for a good part of the day today, uh, but they ended up finishing down just over three-tenths of one percent. We want to see tech really start to rally from here. And finally for today, our VRA commodity watch gold, now down by about four-tenths of one percent to one thousand eight hundred and twenty-three dollars an ounce. Silver, now basically flat on the day, up 0.05% to $21.17 an ounce. Copper, now up 2% uh, to $3.76 a pound. And oil, now up 2% to $109 a barrel. Finally for today, Bitcoin was higher overnight, now down on the day by 2.18% to 20,931 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.